Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, February 28th, the CSI American Girl Doll Edition. I'm Gabriel Roth. I am the editorial director of Slate Podcasts, and I am the father of Eliza, who is eight years old, and Leo, who is four. I'm Rebecca Lavoie. I'm a journalist and podcaster in New Hampshire, and I am mom to Henry, who is 17, Teddy, who is 16, and my stepdaughter, Lily, who is 18. And I'm Carvo Wallace, a writer and podcaster in Oakland, California, and I'm the father to Georgia, who is 13, and Ezra, who is 15. Today on our show, we have a question about an 11-year-old who's still wetting his bed. And we have another question about a dad who is metaphorically wetting his bed. Plus, as always, we'll have triumphs and fails. We will make recommendations. On Slate Plus, we're going to talk about dogs. Let's start with triumphs and fails. I have a fail, and it's about a dog, so I'm going to go first. We had a dog this weekend. The dog came to stay with us. Uh, If you're a regular listener to this show, you will know that I have been uh, fighting off attempts by my family to get another dog, not because I don't love dogs. I profoundly love dogs, but because my and my family's lifestyle cannot accommodate a dog. We'll talk about all this more in the Slate Plus segment. This weekend, we were able to borrow a dog from some friends who were going skiing for the weekend. He was a great dog. He was a puppy. He was a Labradoodle. He was eight months old. Uh, he was so sweet. I, my, my wife and the kids had met him before I did. I came home from work late on Friday night, and I came in, and he was so happy to see me. He had never met me before, but it was like I was his best friend. It was so great. <laughs> and the kids loved the dog. Leo loved the dog, but Leo was nervous because the dog would sometimes jump on him. The dog is about as big as him it was like you know he was just quite reasonably like he just was slightly wary of the dog which is fine and when he went to bed he said he was worried that the dog was going to come into his room and and jump on him in the night and i promised him that that would not happen because i was going to be upstairs with the dog eating my dinner and then afterwards when i went to bed i was going to put the dog straight into his crate where the dog would stay and that the door to the crate would be shut and that everything was going to be fine and yet As so often with the very specific promises I made to Leo, I failed to follow through. The dog just went downstairs when I wasn't looking. He went straight into the kid's bedroom. He jumped up on Leo in the middle of the night, and he was woken up by, like, this big dog panting in his face. And he was like, ah, this is exactly the thing I didn't want to happen. And and I I could only apologize. Um, So that's my parenting fail. More on dogs later. Uh, Rebecca, you want to do a triumph for a fail? I've got a triumph. Um, I'm going to give a big credit to my wonderful stepdaughter, Lily, for this. Uh, we had some friends visiting from New York this weekend. Um, we threw a little party for them at our house. They're like podcast people that I know, and they're great. And I just wanted you know, some of my friends here to meet them. So we had like you know, 20-something people over our house on Saturday. And I realized that my friends Patrick and Steve from New York, they have a daughter who's five. I think she's turning five this week. Like, so she's like full on like five-year-old. And we have not had a little kid over to our house in 
I don't think we've ever had a little kid over to our current house. We moved in there in 2013. I, I honestly can't think of a time someone has come over with a little kid to our house that was like, you know, the kind of the age where you have to know where they are all the time and keep an eye on them all the time. Not like we maybe, we've maybe had some kids over that were like eight, nine, could go downstairs by themselves, could like hang out with my kids unsupervised. That thing. We've never had like a little walking kid over to our house. So knowing she was coming, I actually saw her on Friday night at a different gathering for Patrick and Steve. And I noticed that she's like at that perfect, like very clingy, one of her dads has to be holding her all the time phase, very difficult to entertain, um, you know, in in this strange group. She'd been traveling for a week. She was already sort of stressed out. So I thought, you know, we're going to have her at my house. I really want this to be like fun and relaxing and, you know, maybe think of something that she could do here. So I texted Lily at school. She's at college. And I said, you know, I know that you have like 10 of those American Girl dolls in your closet. We have a little girl coming over. Would it be cool if she was interested if she played with them? And Lily was like, please, God, please. I would love it if somebody played with those stupid dolls. So Lily was one of these kids that um, when she was like a like a kind of a, whatever appropriate age American Girl do- do- American Girl dolls are for, I have kind of an issue with the whole American Girl brand that is like best addressed by the amazing episode of Blackish, by the way, in which they parody the American Girl <laughs> brand. All that aside, yes. um, we have a bunch of these dolls, but Lily got them because she was into them like a little bit older than doll playing years or people at least thought she was. So she kept getting these dolls even when she was like 11, 12, 13. So she has some of these dolls that have like never been like actually played with. They've just been like on display, like sitting on a shelf. And it's pretty much the condition of all these dolls in my house. It's just like a bed and like a giant horse and like a like a 1960s like tableau with like a record player and it's weird. Ooh, I like but anyway, that one. Melody, she's like a backing singer <clears throat> for a girl group in the 60s. That's my yes, th- sorry, go go boots, right? Yeah. Right. We have okay. that was one of the ones. Yeah, yeah. that's my favorite. So, <laughs> Patrick and Steve come over with their daughter, and she's beautiful and wonderful. Her name's Daisy. She's just completely rad. Uh, but she, when she first arrives at the house, she's super shy. She's like holding on to Steve. He's like a super energetic dad. We're like giving them a tour of the house, showing them around. And then I bring her into Lily's room and I open Lily's closet where all these dolls are. And just her eyes just like, they immediately went like four times the size that they that they typically are. So I grabbed like six of these dolls. I grabbed a couple of the doll beds. You know, I brought them upstairs, the horse, just put them like in a pile, like in the living room. This kid played with these dolls happily talking to herself for seven hours. (laughs) (laughs) She was dragging them around the floor by their hair. She was piling them up onto the bed. She undressed them completely. The horse, like she was trying to ride around on the horse. The like bridle fell off the horse. She was like pulling the mattresses off the beds and trying to like make the mattresses bigger so she could stuff more of these giant dolls into these tiny doll beds. And it was like real play, the kind of like real play that, you know, Lily was probably too old to do. And that like I think some parents wouldn't let their kids do with these super expensive American Girl dolls. Like she was really playing with them. So it was amazing. And it was like the first time I'd watched a little kid play with toys in the house where we live really since we've lived there. But when they left and everybody left this party at like, you know, midnight or whatever, there were dishes everywhere. It was a giant mess, like empty bottles of wine everywhere. And there was just this pile it looked like a crime scene this like pile of half naked <laughs> de-shod must up like hair everywhere american girl does this poor horse had like was on its side with his mane all like braided and must up csi american girl 
Exactly. Yeah. And I just took a picture and shared it with Lily. And I was like, uh, we'll get this sorted out. Don't worry. You know, because I, I think she may have had aspirations at one point to like maybe sell her American Girl dolls on eBay and make some cash. I don't know. Um, and she was like, no, 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 no. She's like, you like made my day. This makes me so I was just so excited that like somebody got some joy out of this. And I did, too. Like, so I've completely disabused Lily of the notion. Like, I'm like, we are not selling these dolls on eBay. We're keeping them for every time a little kid comes over that might be interested, and they're probably going to get a lot, of, a lot of wear and tear and use because it's just so, like it's exactly what these things. I think you know before these dolls got this like dolls got branding and got expensive and like got this whole doll culture around mm. them. Like this is what dolls were like, right? You like abused them and dragged them around by their hair and piled them and made them like fight and yeah, like you know sat like- them down and like. Pretended you were feeding them food and all that stuff. All that stuff was happening. It was just fantastic. It you was so in, wonderful. Um, in Eloise, where she has a doll who she like plays hospital with and saws the doll in half, and the doll has like a <laughs> punk rock haircut because she's like shaved <laughs> off half of the hair, and so you can just see like the holes in the doll's scalp and stuff. That's what mm. dolls should look like, really. That's right. That's right. And I think um, it was just it was so wonderful to me that Lily was just so cool with it. Like she was just. Like she's she's also in school for early childhood education. Like she loves little kids, and so just the idea that some little kid was getting joy from this thing that was literally sitting in her closet, I just it made her so happy, and it was just it elevated the whole thing. So I think we're going to be inviting more little kids over because this was just it worked out. You know, <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. Carvel, what about you? Triumph or fail? Uh, I don't know if this is a triumph or a fail. We're experiencing the weirdest thing that I'm having that I'm just noticing is like my feelings of it change every day, which is that our, the Oakland teachers are on strike. And um, that actually only affects Georgia, not Ezra, because Ezra school is not a union school. It's effectively a charter school. I don't know if it's actually a charter school, but it's a county school. It's some kind of other designation that I don't think is a charter school. Um, but Georgia school is a straight up old fashioned public school with, you know, with public funds and everything. Oakland teachers are on strike. Um, the issues have to do with the closure. Um, it basically, it's, it's, it's about money, but it's about the use of money. It's not only about teachers not being able to have a living wage, which is like a major thing in this, in this area. Teachers can't afford to live here. No one can afford to live in Oakland. And you can see it with the teachers. Ezra's school, even though it's not a union school, he's had multiple teachers just have to leave in the middle of the year. And this is partially because it isn't a union school um, to go take other jobs. And his English teacher just left to go work at Google. And for like the first three months of whatever of like last year, he didn't have a science teacher because the old science teacher just left and they hired a new one. But they couldn't agree on salary because the science teacher was like, there's no way I can live any, anywhere within like 40 miles of this school if that's what you pay me. And they just couldn't find anyone. And gentrification and just the way housing prices have gone have really that combined with the way that like this there's this like constant push to privatize what used to be public services is making the situation really crazy and so teachers ultimately went on strike in order to um fight against the closure of a number of neighborhood schools which predictably are always in black and brown neighborhoods and meanwhile the school district has given a ton of money to schools to charter schools uh, but it's taking money away from public schools. And, of course, there's the wage issue, and then there's some other, like, details about supplies and payments and so forth. And the strike began last week in the middle of the week on Thursday, and now it's into its third school day, and George is not going to school, and it's, like, 
it's just kind of eerie. At first I was like, fine, she'll get a few days off school and then they'll get it resolved and it'll be fine. But then now as I start to look at it, I'm like, it, it just has this weird sense of like the, the eerie breakdown of like what we used to rely on as public services and just the crazy way in which the intense privatization of those services through charter schools and things like that make it so that's ultimately some people are going to have access to quality services and some people aren't. And just thinking about how far we've come from the days when I was a kid and I like went to elementary school in a very poor working class district in Pennsylvania outside of Pittsburgh, like a steel town and all that. And yet we had a music teacher, you know, we had a handwriting teacher, we had a school nurse in every school and uh, just the way those, we had home ec, you know, stuff like that. Just the way those priorities have changed um, it's just kind of creepy to watch. And George is having, she's fine. She's going to the gym. She just joined a gym, which is, that's a whole nother thing. I don't, I'll talk about that later. Um, but her and her friends are like going to the YMCA. She's going to the library. She's like riding around. They're going to the mall. She's chilling. But in the long run, I'm just like, what is happening literally? And how long is this going to go? And how much is this going to impact her education? And when are we going to have to do something about that? And so we're just in this weird holding pattern. But it's, I'll say it's uncomfortable. And I feel like the failure is obviously not mine or George's. It's a collective social failure um, to keep these public services intact. And uh, it's unfortunate. So that's where we're at. It's really... (laughs) Sorry. I was going to make a Happy Monday joke, but I realize it's not. Yeah. Um, It's really interesting to think that there will be like a generation of kids from Oakland, but also from Oklahoma and from all over the country whose education has been affected by this and who it's hugely disruptive, obviously. Presumably, it's also politicizing in some way. Like the effects of this playing out for this generation of kids are going to be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, Georgia is is already starting. Like, first she was like, this will be great. And then she, <laughs> last night she started asking questions about it and, like, putting two and two together. And I was like, okay, well, you're just radicalizing kids, so good luck with that. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> she's That's like, right. what the fuck it's a little is bit this? Like, like, I'm not, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit Go like ahead. we were talking about, like, not the not the goofy portion, but, like, the political portion of the Slate Plus we talked about last week about the kids being directly affected by the budget issues in our school district and, like, mm-hmm. a thing they were yeah. supposed to be able to do they can't do and they're pissed and, like, they should be. <laughs> I don't know. I think about this all yeah. the time. I think yeah. about it all the time. Like, we really grew up, I mean— I, I mean, I went to high you know, school in the 80s, mostly. I graduated high school in 1991. And, like, the idea that it just wouldn't be there was never even an issue. It was, an, it was completely apolitical. It was totally apolitical. Yeah. And I know that's where right. I grew up, yeah. that's just not the case anymore either. I grew up on Long Island, and it's just not the case. Yeah, I mean, I I, I have started reflecting on the fact that I—I I mean, I last or two years ago, I did do, it like, a podcast episode where I went back to my hometown, which is one of the most— like just destroy like economically destroyed towns in the nation this town in mckeesport pennsylvania it used to be a steel town and it wasn't but even and you know so manufacturing died and everything we know that american story it's a rust belt town but i even when i was a kid in the 80s that was already very much happening and it was like you know one house on every block was abandoned now it's like one house on every block isn't abandoned but even then with a town that was totally failing in the truest sense there was still a music teacher 
there was still a school nurse. There was still like monies. Teachers didn't have to buy supplies. Teachers didn't have to work on weekends. Teachers didn't have to work in the summer. That was, it was assumed by everyone, like Democrat, Republican, like white, black, racist, not racist. Everyone just agreed that the kids deserve an education and that that's what our taxes pay for. And to see the way that that's shifted over these 20, 30 years, 30 years, because that's how old I am, uh, you know, since I was in elementary school, that it's like seeing that is really kind of eye opening to see it play out. And it is kind of cool to hear Georgia and her friends like talk about it and understand what's happening and start talking about how they want to do things differently. And, you know, this is the kind of stuff, again, that like radicalizes people. So we'll see what happens here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Before we move on, let's do the business. Uh, Slate has a brand new parenting newsletter. If you want to find out when there's a new episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting or a new Karen Feeding column published to our website or indeed any of Slate's other great parenting coverage, you should sign up. Go to slate.com slash parenting email. As always, if you have a question you want us to tackle, you can leave us a voicemail on our voicemail phone line, 424-255-7833, or you can send us an email at our email address, which is momanddadatslate.com. If you want to talk to us, with us, about us, or next to us on Facebook, you should join the Slate Parenting group on Facebook. Go on Facebook, search for Slate Parenting. People talk about every episode of the show. People follow up on things. People post their own requests for advice, their own recommendations, their own triumphs and fails. It's a good community. It's the only thing I really like on Facebook. Go on Facebook, search for Slate Parenting. On Slate Plus today, we're going to discuss whether I should get a dog. If you want to hear that segment and another like it every week, uh, you should join Slate Plus. It's just $35 for your first year. It helps cover the cost of making this show. And in return, you get no ads in any of your Slate podcasts. You get extended episodes. You get bonus episodes. You get all kinds of great stuff. Go to slate.com slash momanddadplus and join Slate Plus today. That's slate.com slash momanddadplus. Okay, onward. Time to take an email from a listener. Uh, if you want to send us uh, a question for us to address on this show, you can email us momanddadatslate.com. Uh, this one is being read for us by Slate IT Goth Shasha Leonard. Hi, Mom and Dad are fighting. My son is 11 years old and in the fifth grade and still wets the bed every night. We have been to a variety of doctors and therapists to try to solve this problem, but nothing to date has worked. I feel like we have exhausted all of our resources to try to help him, but the question here is not about what to do with the wetting of the bed itself, although I'd be thrilled if someone had the magical cure for this. It is about what to do about fifth grade science camp. Every year, my son's school takes the fifth graders to a three-day science camp in the local mountains. It is optional and funded by the parents. If he doesn't go to the camp, he would remain at school with a substitute teacher. I would say, historically, 80% of fifth graders go on this trip. My son desperately wants to go to science camp and has been looking forward to it for a long time. 
I've spoken to the camp and asked about what accommodations could be made. The staff camp reassured me they have plenty of experience with this situation and that it happens almost weekly. The lady I spoke to over the phone gave very detailed plans for how they would be discreet about wearing a pull-up and or washing sleeping bags if he did wet the bed. I felt very encouraged after I spoke to the staff at the camp, but a couple days of playing what-ifs has shook my confidence. What if someone sees his pull-up? What if someone smells the urine? Will he be committing social suicide? Wouldn't he always be known as the pee boy or the fifth grader that still wets the bed? My son wants to go to camp so badly, he actually said to me that he'd be willing to tell his bunkmates that he wears a pull-up. I don't know if he can fully understand how mean some kids could be if word got out. Of course, I am proud of him for not being ashamed of what amounts to be a medical problem, but I still can't stop the worry. Not sending him also has social ramifications by missing out on the shared experience of going to science camp with the rest of the kids in his grade. What would you do? Would you send him to camp? Thanks. I think you got to send him. Um, he's excited to go. He wants to go. He's aware of the risks. He, I think, has a better understanding of the the kind of cruelty that uh, boys in his grade or children in his grade are, are capable of perpetrating against him. And he's willing to take that risk because he is brave and and uh, brave in a particular – he's emotionally brave. Um, I, my hat is off to this kid. You know what I mean? I go for it and I, I hope it's awesome and I hope he has a great time. Also, when the camp says like, yeah, we see this all the time, uh, they are professionals and you should believe them. Yeah, I <laughs> here's a big reveal. I can't believe I'm saying this on the radio. I peed the bed till I was 12 and I actually peed my pants once in 6th grade. Oh wow. It's a true story and it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. And <laughs> until much worse things happened to me. But um <laughs> but it was horrific. It was like really bad. Peeing your pants in 6th grade is like really bad. And it happened because of a, a teacher who actually didn't like me for reasons that we're all pretty sure had to do with racism. I was the only black kid in an all-white. This is when I moved from this town in McKeesport to this other place that was all-white. I was the only black kid in all the classes. And there was this one teacher who was known to be racist. Other people have confirmed it. My mother went down and... It's a whole thing. Anyway, this happened to me when I was in sixth grade. It was traumatizing as fuck. Ugh. And I also completely got over it. And And kids were much crueler then than they are now. That's one thing that my kids have like demonstrated to me in a million ways. Kids are just crueler than than they are now. When my kids see movies that have bullying in them, they literally are like, what is that? No one does that. Kids don't even act that way. Even the worst kids know not to do that. Like, this is bullshit. You know what I'm saying? They're like, I've never met a kid who, like, acts that. Even the worst kids. And, like, kids will make fun of you. They'll like, But it's, like, it's it's in vogue for kids now to also be understanding of differences and to recognize mm-hmm. that, like, it's not cool to make fun of people if they have some shit that they can't control. There's always going to be at least one or two or three kids who are like, yo, what the fuck? Like, stop. That's not cool. And so... I think that if I think that the situation that I experienced was horrific and I survived it and recovered and feel perfectly fine and recognized that like there were that it that it didn't make me a bad person that I you know and I and, and so I think that what I experienced was even worse than what your kid is likely to experience and on top of that I really th- agree with what Gabe said which is that this kid is willing to take this risk because he believes in doing what he wants to do. That is the most admirable shit I've ever heard. And I think he should go do it. And I really do trust these 
uh, camp counselors when they say we see this all the time and here's how we're going to do it. It might turn out that the kid gets some, he gets made fun of, something goes wrong, some, like the, all those things are possible. They're horrible. And also he will get over them. And is, and my one of my experiences is that ultimately the way that we navigate past things like this is, what, is exactly what your kid is doing, which is remaining focused on what he wants to do in the world, what he has to offer, what's out there for him, and going to get it, and not letting a thing like this hold him back. So he has already innately the capacity to not only do this but overcome this. This kid is dope. I think he should go to camp. I wish him the best of luck. I wish you guys the best of luck. That's what I think. I agree. And I think, you know, I think that we all are, like, feeling what this mom is feeling. And we know that she's, like, a wonderful mom and she's just trying to protect her kid. So please take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. But this mom is really making it about what she thinks about what could happen to this kid and not listening to her son when he's saying it's fine. And I also think, you know, I I think think about like the let's just imagine our advice was not going this way. Right. Why are you Mm. going to tell the kid that he can't go to science camp because you wet the bed? You can't go to science camp like that is awful. Mm. I mean, that would be just awful. That's like basically saying this is your defining characteristic. This is the reason why you can and can't participate in things that, you know, you want to and, Mm. and can, you know, and would participate in. If only you didn't wet the bed. I mean, this thing I can't, that I you're can... trying to think is not a big deal is in fact a bigger deal than you think it is. Is the message there? And that's a terrible. That's message. absolutely a terrible message. It's, not, right. it's absolutely saying like this is who you are. This is not just like one right. tiny aspect of your life, right? It's it's basically saying this right. is who you are, and that is, this that, is a I can't imagine quality. Exactly. And I cannot imagine a worse message to send a kid. I mean, this is a medical issue. This is not like a severe disability, but like you would never imagine saying that to a kid with a disability that was greater than wetting the bed, you know, at night, every night. I mean, you would never imagine doing that. And yet this, because of the stigma that we carry with us from our own childhoods, this mom has really internalized this. And she's living sort of this vicarious fear and thinking about making decisions and altering the course of her son's life, i.e. the super normal stuff he wants to do and is willing to, like, own it um, because of her fear. And I would just say, like, stuff that down. Let it go. And mm. I, I think that, you know, you, you talk about your son being interested in, like, telling other kids he wears a pull-up. Like, I think you'd be really surprised. I think what Carvel says is bang on. I think if this kid were to say to his roommates, hey, guys, just FYI, I have like a medical condition and sometimes I wet the bed. And so whatever, this is what happens. And I can't I don't have any control over it, whatever. I think you would be amazed at how unimportant that was to the other kids in his life, like the owning it, the sort of like just being like, hey, this is a thing that I have. It's not different than saying, you know, I have diabetes and I have to give myself a a test my blood and give myself insulin shots. Or I have, you know, this other medical condition with my sinuses and I have to use a neti pot twice a day, whatever. Like kids have this stuff. Like they have it. (laughs) They're used to it. They have allergies. They have like weird body stuff going on. You know, it's like I, I think you're underestimating I know we like to think that kids suck, but I also think that kids are really much more wonderful than they suck most of the time. And I think you're underestimating that. And I think your kid's reading the room right. And I think it's time to make this less about leading by fear and more about letting him lead you with his bravery, exactly as Gabe said. 
Yeah. Oh, and I, the other thing I would just want to quickly add is that this is a science camp. This is what this kid wants to do with his life. This is the, <laughs> the benefits of this are long lasting. Like you're, this kid is trying to set up his situation forever. And this bedwetting thing is a temporary thing. People get over it. I got over it. It just went away one day. I don't know why it went away. It just stopped. And um, and so that it, it would be terrible if something that I really believed in, like when I was a kid, I was I was really into writing and I was into creativity and into the arts and into music and I was really all this shit. And like if someone had said, well, you can't do those things and you can't go and explore those things deeper because of this like temporary bedwetting thing. That would have been fucked up because the bedwetting went away, but the things I cared about in terms of being an artist and that stuff lasted forever. So we got to put things in order here. I just want to add that in. All right. I just have two more things to say. The first one is sometimes I say, like, write in and let us know how it goes. And almost no one ever does. But in this case, <laughs> I really hope you will write in and let us know how it goes uh, because I want to know if we're right to suggest that today's kids would be able to roll with having a, a cabin mate who who is uh, wearing pull-ups at 11 years old. Maybe they are. Uh, and, and I really want to know. Um, I hope he has a great time at science camp. Um, the second thing I want to say is, Carvel, fuck the racist teacher who makes you pee yourself in class. That's fucking bullshit. Mm. I just wanted to say that. Thank you for saying that. I I have gone through everything with that. Like I've already done. You know what I mean? But like, yes, fuck that guy. And I w it was still a thing in my head until like last year. I randomly came across someone else on Twitter who grew up in the same town, which is super rare. No, we weren't there at the same time, but yeah, I think this person was like maybe three years, four years younger than me, but because I did this podcast about going to my hometown, this other writer was like, oh shit, I grew up in that town, blah, blah, blah. And then I just said, we were talking about teachers and I was like, oh yeah, I had Mr. I'm going to fucking say his name. I was like, I had Mr. Bell uh, at Francis McClure Middle School in White Oak, Pennsylvania. And uh, I, I just said that. I just said I had Mr. Bell. And the guy goes, oh, fuck that guy. He was such a fucking racist. This is a white guy. He was like, he was such a fucking racist. And I was like, that was the final piece of vindication. that I, All these years of vindication, that was the final one. Thank you for just unsolicited saying that. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Time to take another question. Uh, this one also came to us by email, also being read for us by Slate's information technology, which Shasha Leona. Dear mom and dad are fighting. We are new parents, excited and exhausted. My husband and I have a great relationship, and he's going to be an awesome co-parent. He gets up to do plenty of nighttime feedings, stays at home with our baby while I go to work or to class, and is very engaged with the baby. But he lacks confidence. He's always telling me that he doesn't give a bottle or change the diapers or give baths or any number of other things as well as I do. This is not an attempt to avoid the task. He often says these things while he is feeding or changing or bathing the baby. It's true he can be a little clumsy, but I think he is really doing fine. How can I support him in becoming more confident? Thanks. Thank you for sending this question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm get sorry. Him, this question him, just it, this question just cracks me up. I'm and I'm sorry because 
I think these, these people, clearly they seem lovely and they have a new baby and this with mom sounds wonderful. But seriously, yeah. like, you don't need to parent your husband. Like, you already have a new baby. Why the hell does he need to feel better about the same stuff he's doing that you're doing? You guys are doing the same stuff. You're also getting up and feeding the baby. And you're also watching the baby when he goes to do his thing. This idea that men need to be somehow propped up for doing the same shit that we do when we have babies. If it were me, I would turn to him and be like, you know what? I don't know what the hell I'm doing either. We're both new at this. I'm, you, 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 it looks like you're doing fine. Um, that's all I can say yeah. about it. Like, wh why does he need more? I mean, it, it, you, you yeah. describe the relationship as being wonderful, supportive, co-parenting, partners in every way. Like, why does he need more than that? Why? Why, 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 why? Ask yourself that question. Mm. And then maybe he'll stop feeling like he should come to you and say, I'm not as good at this as you are. I need support. I need help feeling as confident as you are. Maybe the reason he's doing that is because he's getting this feedback loop that somehow he needs to be taken care of as well. And because you guys have a good relationship and you want to, you know, we, we want both of you to be happy, you're like participating in that feedback loop. Knock it off. Knock I'm sorry. I just don't want to come off harsh, but like <laughs> this email just struck me as really funny because I'm like, are we really at a point now where we are still helping men feel better about doing the same shit that, that we're doing, that we both signed up for together, that we like agreed we're going to be parents. We had sex. We had a baby. And now to add to all the lack of sleep, chores, childcare I have to do, I have to add to it on my list make husband feel better about his bottle feeding skills. No, don't do it. Don't add that to the list. You're setting yourself up for a future where he's going to think of himself as a babysitter and not a dad in terms of like that real hands-on stuff. I just don't do it. Don't play that game. Don't do it. Let it go. And um, I'm sorry if this came off as harsh, but that was my knee-jerk reaction to this email. And I've been thinking about it for a good few days. <laughs> And it hasn't changed. Yeah, I, you're exactly right. I don't. I actually have nothing to add. Like you said, everything that I felt about this. This guy just needs. This guy just needs to suck it up. And uh, I, 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 I did think of the something that um, that happened when Joe was when Ezra during Ezra's birth. Um, at some point, Joe was like, uh, it was, might have been around the time of transition. She said, "I can't." do this and then the midwife said you are doing this and I think about that exchange all the time because it just reminds me of that oftentimes people will say they can't do something when they're in the middle of doing it because they have this false belief that that to be able to do it quote unquote is to have it go perfectly and always feel smooth and always look great and always whatever and this guy needs to recognize that is not what raising a baby feels like doing it well doesn't look smooth it doesn't feel cool it doesn't it doesn't go down smooth. like it's do, raising a baby well means feeling like you're fucking everything up being hella clumsy being exhausted <laughs> getting irritated being that is that is normal so i don't know what you expect bro i don't know like what you know what i'm saying but that's not your it's that your wife is doing that that's what you're doing that's what we all do and so you just need to shut up and like just like take care of your kid and stop looking for reassurance, my man. That's my advice to, uh, to the husband. Okay, uh, I'm gonna take the husband's. Uh oh, ha -ha, no, of course I'm not gonna do that. He sounds like a complete tool. <laughs> but 
I do think it's significant that this is the letter that you're writing to us. That like the wife of this guy is sufficiently troubled by the way he's talking about this stuff that she like reaches out to the hosts of a popular parenting podcast for help and advice about how to deal with her husband. Like you got a new baby. You know, if you want help with stuff, maybe try getting help with the new baby or <laughs> if the husband is really the biggest problem, the husband's like lack of self-confidence. And, and you say we have a great relationship and he's being an awesome co-parent. If, if he and, and his constant asking you for reassurance that he's doing OK at giving the baby a bottle uh, is your biggest problem as a new parent. Number one, you're doing pretty good. But number two. That's kind of significant mm. that that is a problem that has risen to that level. And probably what you should do is tell him, hey, listen, the one thing I'm finding difficult about this is the way you constantly need to perform your lack of confidence about basic tasks of parenting. And I think you're doing fine. You're doing great. If I see you doing something that I feel like is not good for the baby, be assured that I will let you know about that. But until I do, maybe you could just work on like taking care of the stuff that you're supposed to be doing here, just as I am also doing. Um, that would be the conversation that I might have with him. Then the other thing is the only thing with the bottle is you just got to hold it vertical enough that the nipple is like full of milk. So there's not a bunch of air getting in. That's really the only thing. If you're doing that, then, then you're fine. If he's not doing that, just tell him to hold it a little bit more vertical. Um, so the air doesn't get in. But if he is, then the thing I said before, that's my advice. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, poor lady. Uh, she just sent us a nice email. <laughs> I know. And, and they said, these people, part of the problem is that these people do sound super nice. And it's yeah. just one of those, like, yeah. I, I get where Rebecca's frustration comes from because sometimes really nice guys can be the most obnoxious. And there's just something about this email that's like, <laughs> this guy might not be, he might just be like one of those really chill guys who's secretly kind of a dick. And it just takes a while for you to realize it. I, let's, assu <laughs> let's assume that he's not. Like, yeah, he might be that guy. Let's assume, let's assume that he's not. That he's right. not, that he's right. an okay guy. He's just having some kind of issue here. Maybe he's listening. Right. Guy, if you're listening, just like get a little bit of swagger in your parenting. Just like, yeah, you've got this. Yeah, you're fine. You got it. Don't worry about it and like stop yeah. talking about it. And and like I know it's yeah. hard when your wife who used to pay a lot of attention to you suddenly has another thing on her mind and you kind of want right? a little bit uh -oh. more attention from her. But uh -oh. just 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 leave that out for a little bit and like do the thing where you hold the bottle really vertical so that there's no air getting into the nipple. That's wow. what I say. Uh, I think someone uh, just got issue. right to the nose. <laughs> yes. Getting That's right real. to the nipple of the issue. <laughs> no air in there. <laughs> full of the milk of good advice. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Full of the Time formula, formula <laughs> of good advice. Oh, man. Okay. It's time now for us to move on to the part of the show where I make up an elaborate name for the section where we recommend things to you. So, today I'm going to call it the part of the show where we recommend things to you. Carvel, what are you going to recommend? <laughs> I am recommending a show that Georgia sat me down and made me watch called One Strange Rock. It's a television series, a science-based television series on Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, Google Play, Voodoo. Uh, it is hosted by Will Smith, which whatever, but uh, it is a really fascinating and interesting look at some of the most incredible phenomena of the planet. It's a science-based show. Uh, the episode she wanted me to watch was about the sun. Um, it's beautifully shot, beautifully edited, 
it's just a really great show and there's a lot and george's interest in science has like spiked as of late she wanted me to go to we went to a science museum yesterday in fact uh she ordered michio kaku's book for some reason or other <laughs> so she's like ready to go she's ready to like go deep into like physics and stuff like that quarks and whatnot and i'm just like okay i'm with you but i think a lot of it was she started watching the show and she just got reinvigorated about it so i'm recommending it to you and your family for your collective family science kind of watching one strange rock uh, and that's available on netflix nice i'm writing that down uh, I'm going to recommend a board game. We talked about games um, a few weeks ago, but I don't think this one came up. It's relatively new. It's called Outfoxed. We played it uh, with at some friend's house, and we liked it so much uh, we got a copy of our own. Actually, we liked it so much that they sent us a copy of our own because they're such nice friends. Uh, but we've already played it twice. It's a really good board game for little kids. Like, you can play it with a four-and-a-half. It says five and up, but you can play it with a four-and-a-half-year-old, I'm here to tell you. Um, it's a cooperative whodunit game. You're trying Trying to find out like who stole the whatever at which fox st uh, stole the seed or whatever it is um, and it has an element of strategy but it's simple enough that a four and a half year old can kind of get the strategic choices and the, the the valence of those but a bigger kid can actually like think it through and, and try to solve a puzzle and there's no like it's cooperative you're all trying to stop the fox from getting away with the chickens together so there's no like being mad at each other that, or being upset that somebody else won it's just a really nicely designed game, Outfoxed. You can get it, uh, I'm seeing it here at Amazon, or you can get it at all kinds of other places as well. Rebecca, how about you? I'm going to recommend if you have a child who is into the current spate of like Marvel superhero movies and that kind of thing. I do. Uh, this week <laughs> this week on my podcast, we um, one of the things we reviewed is I Am the Night, which is this super weird, trippy uh, show on TNT, which is like, a Hollywood noir thing, but Chris Pine is in it, and basically uh, every time I see Chris Pine in every in anything, he's basically just playing James T. Kirk as he did in the reboot of the Star Trek <laughs> series. I mean, he's he has that one note. I mean, he's super good at that one note, but that is his note, right? Yeah, I love that. So show. Space Pine, great great show. Space yes. Pine. <laughs> so after watching and after reviewing, I am the night and hearing myself say that and hearing myself call Star Trek the original reboot of the Star Trek franchise that came out 10 years ago in 2009 I watched it again because I own it because it is one of my all-time favorite movies and it 100% holds up and is so much better than so many of these garbage Marvel superhero movies that come out I'm not saying they're all garbage but you know the ones that are kind of like garbagey it definitely ranks up there with the best of that genre of movie it has really like a very strong uh, comic book sensibility with the way they did this reboot and this whole like new timeline thing that I think fans of comic books and like the alternate universes would really appreciate and it's just a freaking kick-ass fun, adventurous, little bit scary, but in a fun way movie that totally holds up 10 years later. I can't recommend it highly enough. It still ranks among my favorites. My kids watch it with me every time we watch it. And we all saw it together when it was new 10 years ago. So I can't recommend it enough. The first Star Trek movie, the reboot that came out in 2019, starring Chris Pine in his defining role that he has repeated again and again and again as James T. Kirk. That's my recommendation. Uh, I like that movie. That was a good movie. Um, and that's our show. It's a masterpiece, Gabe. It's, it's a, a masterpiece. The J.J. Abrams Star Trek. I'm not sure that it's a masterpiece, but it was a good movie <laughs> and I me. enjoyed seeing it. And I'm sure that you and your family will also enjoy seeing it if you uh, take up Rebecca on her recommendation. 
which is what we're calling him this week. Right, quick, qu- I have a quick point of clarification, because I, I still don't really know all the Chris's, but is Chris Pine the one that was in Wonder Woman? Yes, in which he also played James okay. T. Kirk in Wonder Woman. Okay, <laughs> I like that one. Yes. But he wasn't yes. the one that was in Bad Times at the El Royale, right? That was that was Chris Hemsworth. Am I am I getting this right? Yeah, Chris Hemsworth no is that. the like is the hulky is the is the Thory one, right? Uh, he was, was, he was Liam. Thor, yeah, it's yeah. Chris Hemsworth. Yes, and there's that Chris was Liam Pratt. Hemsworth. Wasn't that Liam? Wait, who was in at Bad Times? No, at the Liam El Royale Hemsworth is the had Chris Hemsworth. Yes, I'm the one who that played the now. Manson. Was was Bad Times? The movie the was Royale, good. He was. It was good. The movie was really good. He was terrible. He was the only bad part of that movie. <laughs> That's why I'm very interested in who I should blame for the for the movie falling off the cliff. In the second, I believe like, that sort of the end Chris of the Hemsworth. Half, it, was, it was yeah, di- yeah different Chris. Thor. Definitely, definitely different yeah. Chris. Chris Hemsworth. Liam is Hemsworth okay. is the is the one who was in the uh, the uh, Jennifer Lawrence Mockingjay that whole franchise, and he's also married to Miley Cyrus now. He's Chris Hemsworth. To Miley brother. Cyrus, that is correct. And then there's right. Chris Pratt. Got it. Who's the newly evangelical star of that separate. Space Pratt movie right. that we talked about last yes. time? Space Pratt. Yes. Pratting of space. Yes. I think that I think Chris Pratt is separate. I don't know why people get them confused. I he's still to me the dude from Parks and Rec, and that's that's our show for today, folks. Oh, he's the guy from Parks and Rec. Thank yes. you for joining us on, on our podcast about chips, parenting, and actress named Chris. And Chris's. Yeah. <laughs> chips and Chris. I before we go, I want to welcome a couple of new Slate Plus members. Uh, Eric from Springboro, Ohio. Maggie from Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining Slate Plus. Uh, we oh, hope. Goodness. Well, it's a thing. We're saying hi to some new members, and uh, they're like about. Oh my God, this is so great. Yeah, say say hi to uh, Eric and Maggie, would you? Hi, Eric. Hi, Eric and hi Maggie. Maggie. Thank there you for joining go. us. On and Slate it was Plus. Chris Hemsworth that ruined yeah. the bad times at the Battle Royale. At the El Royale, please. I'm just looking that up now on IMDb. You're yeah, right. No, it's, I, it's I, Hemsworth. I had already looked that up and confirmed for, for Corvell and the listeners. Um, <laughs> Eric, Maggie, stick around. We're about to talk about dogs. If uh, anyone else out there has a question that they want us to address, you can call us 424-255-7833. Uh, you can let us know what you thought of the show at the Facebook group. Go on Facebook, search for Slate Parenting. Our podcast is produced by Benjamin Frisch. For Carvel Wallace and Rebecca Lavoy, I'm Gabriel Roth, and we'll see you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.